0: All right. So, um, it's a little unconventional. I wasn't planning on this, but so there's a couple up here. Hey, brother, what's your name? You, you're right there. New York Yankee, Rob. Rob. So I got Rob right here. And actually, by the way, I didn't know that you two were together. So I seen you come in first and you were wearing a, uh, a kind of an ugly jacket because it's a rest Kings jacket. I'm a Giants fan, bro. But then I looked over, and you took off your jacket, and you have a Yankees shirt. I said, "Man, my dog!" So listen, this is what's interesting. I seen your and, and automatically, uh, God gave me a picture of an onion, and I'm like, "That's kind of weird. Does he smell like an onion?" No, that's that's somebody else I know. But but this is what God was saying. It's like, hey, let Rob know. That I want him to know that I am like an onion. Okay. There's many layers to me. And even though he perhaps has gotten through the first or second layer. There's much more that I want to reveal to him. I want to show him who I am. In his own personal life. So I'll pray that over you brother. Amen. Now what's your name? Sabrina. Sabrina. So "Brina, I have no idea that you guys were together, but I'm over there and you're worshiping the Lord right here. And I looked and I could see your joy worshiping Jesus. And the Lord is saying, hey, my worshipers will go before me. My worshipers will go before the warriors. So we are in a season of doing war, raging war. And God's saying, hey, guess what? I'm going to use her to actually bring about what I want to bring about. Because you begin to open up the heavens with your worship. So worship in your car, worship in your job, worship at home, wherever you go, because God is so well pleased and you are creating a way for the Lord, preparing the way. So praise God. Thank you so much for being who you are. All right. So let's get going here. So I'm Raphael and I'm one of the pastors here at Good News and we've been in this this short series in the book of James. And last week Pastor Jason preached in chapter 2 and he talked to us about commitments and convictions, okay? And he he shared with us the definition. He said convictions are strong held beliefs, right? That's inside of you, the core of who you are. And then the commitments are the behaviors and practices. Right, that The things that you actually do based on those convictions. And the, the first part of the message, Pastor Jason um, was talking about biases. You guys remember that? How favoritism and things like that. And he gave us a test. You guys remember? Warren Buffett comes into the church, but there's also a single mom with five kids. Who would you prefer? Who would you pay attention to? And some people lied and said, the, the single mom. But I got to be honest, I would have paid attention to Buffett, right? And that, But then he also said, you know, let's let's imagine that Donald Trump walks in the building and Nancy Pelosi walks in the building, right? And then it was like, who are you going to show honor to and who will you disrespect, right? Because let's face it, we, we're very divided at times, especially in politics. So, but that was the first part of the message. His second part of the message dealt with be about it. And He made this statement, we need to actually do what we say we believe. And that it's awesome because it's not only, it's not only by words, it's by action. Um, so today we're going to jump into um, chapter three of the book of James. But before we get there, do you guys want to hear a rather embarrassing personal story from me? <laughs> wow. Wow, oh, you guys are even more uh, emphatic than the first service. Yes! Um, so, not proud of this, but about four to three weeks ago, my youngest son, uh, 10 years old, played was playing in a basketball tournament. So he's played football, flag football and baseball since he was very, very tiny. But now this year he decided he want to play f- basketball. So, okay. So he's been playing basketball. And we go to this tournament and... We are on the last game in this tournament. And it's the third game of the day. And it is in the evening, on a Saturday evening. And it's pretty late. And I'm kind of tired and all of that stuff. But what all skews aside, um, there were some things happening in the game that begin to kind of make my insights boil. Okay? And I'm calling, I'm talking specifically about the refereeing in that game. So as you know, 10-year-olds, they're not polished, okay? I have you know. They will uh, travel with the basketball. They will slap each other, which they shouldn't be slapping, you know, and all those kinds of things. So that is to be expected. I, as a dad, uh, I'm not one of those crazy dads that you see on the news most times, but um, I just want fairness, right? Like, if we're calling the game tight, and that means, like, if you're calling everything, you nitpicking stuff, then let's do that. If you're calling it loose, meaning, like, hey, you're going to let them get away with stuff, that's fine. But I just want it to be even. I want fairness of play, right? So this is what happened that week. Uh, it just seemed like, like all these things just began to shift, and it just seemed like our team was getting a whole bunch of foul calls, and the other team wasn't getting them. And I was paying attention to those, but I wasn't really angry until, um, so my son is the point guard. So he's bringing the basketball from one end to the court to the other. And he's, he's going and he's driving and this kid, boom, bangs him. He gets out of bounds, loses the basketball, no foul. I was like, oh, okay. But then there's a loose, foul, a loose ball, meaning that the ball is bouncing on the court. And my son is fighting, running to that, to that ball. Then there's another kid coming. My son has this straight away. This kid's come from the side, boom, hits him. Foul, 77. That's my son's number. I said, what? I looked in the desk like, what What? in the world? Okay, fine. Then my, my kid is guarding this kid. He's standing, right? And those of you that play basketball, he's standing. This kid comes, runs him over, foul on 77. I'm like, oh no, that happened two other times. So by, this, by the third or fourth call on him, he's looking at me going like this. Dad, I get up and say, hey, you... <laughs> I said, hey, let's call this thing even. And he said, like, what? I said, call it both ways, dude. And he says, hey, I'm going to kick you out of here. I said, go ahead and kick me out of here. I don't care. Just call it even. <laughs> woo. Yeah, exactly. So this brother looks at me. And he just gets his whistle. And he just dugs down the court. I am. Woo. I am next level hot. My wife looks at me and says, Honey. Come here, Ralphie. I'm like, well, and you know, it's real when she says Ralphie, <laughs> by the way, you're not allowed to call me that. And so <laughs> I am pacing because I need to come down. So that transpired. We lost a close game and, uh, my son comes after us and says, dad, I can't believe it. I said, buddy, I know not your fault. We get done with that. Uh, my wife was like, honey, you know, people are looking at you. People know that you are a pastor. And uh, <laughs> Wow, yeah. So then I am preparing on James chapter 3. That talks about the tongue. That was three, four weeks ago. But this happened. Check this out. So about two weeks back, we have... Because we actually had a week off. Where basketball happens every weekend. But for... The grace of God, we had a weekend in between. No basketball games. Uh, and so then we have another game. And I'm saying, you know what? I need to display self-control. I actually need to um, to control my tongue. I, I, I will do this. And I tell my wife, we're getting ready to go to his game. And she's out. She says, um, said, okay, honey, we're leaving. I said, honey, today I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And she looks at me. I said, oh, Okay. She didn't really believe me. But then uh, I said, no, 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 really. Like, I will keep my mouth shut. I will not complain about the officiating. Boy, does God have a sense of humor. (laughs) So we get to to the court, and I'm going to give you a picture. Game begins. The kids are following each other. Boom, 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 back and forth. And my wife's like, what's going on there? I said, no, it must be like these guys are just calling it loosely, you know, kind of letting them play. Okay, fine. But then... Foul on our team. Okay, fine. Foul on our team. Okay, okay. Uh, just to let you know, the first half, and it's a short game, it's only about 20 minutes to a half, and so they break it up. And uh, just to let you know, in the first half, it was nine fouls on our team, one foul on the other team. Yeah, so at halftime, I'm like, oh, okay. The second half begins with the same, the same. Um, story continues foul, our team, foul, our team, boy, I am boiling inside again. I am literally like, mm. and then my wife begins to touch me, honey, what happened? I said, keep, uh, don't ask me any questions today. Do not ask me any questions. I'm not opening. She's like, but honey. And then they did an N1, you know, like the key gets fouled, but he, he actually made the bucket. And so he goes to the, to the line and then she's like, honey, what happened? He made the shot. Why is he shooting again? I said, do not ask me any questions, woman. I shall keep my mouth shut. And she says, I just want to learn. I said, go and ask one of the other dads. Um, this, wor- this game was far worse, far worse than the other one. The game ended up, we went to overtime and we lost by a free throw. Yes, ouch. One of our kids gets elbow in the eye and his crying had to be pulled out. Another one had a bloody lip. But yet, at the end of the game, 19 fouls against our team, two fouls against the other team. So after the game, I said, God, you have a sense of humor. (laughs) There's a purpose for the story. And we're going to talk a little bit about it in a moment. But let's read out of James chapter three. And I'm going to have you guys stand this morning just because we have been kind of sitting for a little bit. And Caleb was sharing with us and I'm sharing with you. So let's stand and read out of James chapter three. And we're going to read from verse one through 12 the ESV. All right, so it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness for, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in, in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to brittle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things are not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You may be seated. So James begin this this portion of scripture he begins by talking about those to, to speaking to those who desire to be teachers who may perhaps have a desire to be teachers and he says guess what we who teach will be judged strictly now it's important to know that teachers in that time and perhaps in this time as well had great influence right so he made a comparison of a over a brittle that you put in a horse to direct him, or a um a rudder that is put on the ship to actually direct it where the where the pilot wants it to go. So then he talks about the tongue in that same manner. So we know that just as one small rudder can direct a ship, so can one person with their tongue, if they have influence like a teacher, direct a large congregation or a large group of people. Say amen. amen. That's how it is. So he's talking about this, but let's understand that in our time, things have changed. So James is talking to an audience who really respected and honored a position. So if you were a teacher, you were held in high regards. If you were a priest, you were held in high regard, like a, like a rabbi and, and such. So now in our culture, we many times do not really care about a title of a person, Right. Right? What we look at is the influence that that individual has. And you know you have influence when people have granted you permission to actually speak into their lives. That is influence. So you may have people in your life that really don't have a huge title. They may not be a Fortune 500 executive, but you have granted them permission to speak into your life. That's influence. So let's remember that James is talking here about the influence that teachers had. But many of you here have a ton of influence as well. And you may not be quote unquote a teacher, but you have influence in your homes. You have influence perhaps with friends, with coworkers, in the church. So let's keep that in mind as we're looking at that first verse. And I will ask you this question. Think for a moment. Who has God given you influence over? Because then you have a responsibility. There's another component here in verse one that I don't think, actually, I know James did not have in mind when he wrote this. And it is this in our day and age, we have millions of teachers, millions of teachers, and their classroom is social media. They have a virtual classroom. Because they have some desires or agendas or perhaps a personal conviction God has given them. And then we post it on social media. And then this is what happens. And somebody responds to that social media post disagreeing with our stance. And all of a sudden we respond back and they respond back. And before you know it, we have an all-out war Of words, of written words. You just became a teacher. You're trying to influence others, right? So let's bring back into what James said in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So that's all. Just remember that. And we will be jumping and talking a little bit more about this topic later. But then in verse 2, James make what I call a transitional statement. So in verse 2, then he says, he's talking about those that were desiring to be teachers and talking about teachers. But then he says, for we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. In many ways here, it says it, it could it can mean that we all stumble a lot or that we stumble in many different kinds of sins, right? Because as we know, one thing that you may stumble on when it comes to sinning may not be the thing that I've stumbled on, and we know that. But there is one common denominator. James says, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, Now I'm going to ask the question. How many of you do not stumble in what you say? And I want to see the hands. Nobody. Wow. I sure thought I would get at least one in this service. So everyone is here and here is agreeing that we all stumble in what we say. Amen. So this applies to every single one of us. No exceptions whatsoever. Do you remember my personal story just a moment ago? Look at, let's look at verse 4 and see what James says. Look at the ships also. Though they are very large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. You see that in verse 4? The NLT says, wherever the pilot chooses to go. Is a choice. It is a choice that the pilot gets to tell the boat where to go. It is a choice that we have with our tongue and with what comes out of our mouth and what we write. So this is what I believe. I thoroughly believe that if I had not made a choice before I got in the midst of that situation again. I probably would have done the same thing if not worse. So I made a decision, a choice to say, I will keep my mouth shut. And that's important. That is important because see, it's not about the external circumstances. See, we have a choice. So if the person in front of you is driving like an idiot, you have a choice. If your spouse is using hurtful words, you have a choice. If your kids are acting like little monsters, you have a choice. If your teacher or your boss is getting on your last nerve, you have a choice. See, because our response is our responsibility. So God doesn't hold them accountable for what they say. He's holding you accountable for what you say. Let God deal with the other person, but he's dealing with us. So your response is your responsibility. Nobody else's. So we have a choice. See, we have an amazing example that the prophet Isaiah wrote. We have an example in Jesus himself. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep. That before it's shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was oppressed, Did not open his mouth. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He was wrong. Wrongfully. Com, uh, uh, convicted. And accused. He opened not his mouth. This is a picture. Of our God. Have you guys ever heard this phrase before? And if you have, I want you to finish it for me. If you have nothing good to say. Oh, your mama told you that too. If you have nothing good to say, say nothing at all. Sometimes the best thing that I could do. Is shut up. And, uh. Actually, that works very, very well for your self-image too. <laughs> I'm going to let the Bible explain that one. Proverbs 17:28 says this. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Ouch. Better to be thought a fool... Then open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? Isn't that true? It's like, ah, oh, he looks like he's a little stupid, and then I come Roar, and I say, oh no, he's really stupid. Right here. So it's really good for your self image. Keep your mouth shut, people won't think you're intelligent. You look the part. Anyway, I love you. So let's practice a little exercise. And I know this will help you because it has really helped me. So if you're right hand, right handed, we're going to use your right hand. If you're left handed, we use your left hand. We're going to do this. And I want everybody, eyes on me right now. I need your eyes. So everybody, eyes on me. We're going to do this together. And we do this one, two, three. I want to see some of you are not doing it just because you guys think your mouth is all that, right? Okay, good. Thank you. So I do this. I don't put my entire hand over my mouth. It's very obvious. I look like this. You look, I I look very intelligent, introspective, like I'm pondering the the things of God. This finger over my mouth tells me, shut up. So when God in here, when the spirit of God in here says, you need to be quiet. mm Mm-hmm. Because it's very easy for this thing to open up. That's my cue. See, the problem is that this little exercise does not work on social media. Because then we have another issue. is this. And it's this. And we have some, uh, some examples of social media posts. But I decided, guys, not to use those today. Because all of you have seen it. All of you have seen somebody condemning and judging somebody else with a Christian, non-Christian or the politics, religion, social issues. It's all out there. James says in verse six that the tongue is said amongst the members, staining the whole body. It pollutes everything. And he says, setting on fire the entire course of life. And it's set on fire by hell. (laughs) Some really strong words. Your mouth can set your whole life on fire. Destroy it. It is important for us to keep that in mind because he said how a great forest is set ablaze. By such a small fire. Think about this a forest and a magnificent, beautiful thing that God has created, a spark could bring massive destruction to it. So think about the destruction that our tongue can cause. Think about what hate filled words have done to our country. Think about what judging words have done to the church. Think about what unsensitive words have done to our relationships great destruction brought about by the tongue proverbs 18:21 says that the tongue can bring life and death and those who love it or those who love to talk will reap the consequences see life or death And if we talk, we will read the consequences of our words, either bad or good, either way. So let's choose life. Let's choose to build up with our words. James adds in uh, verse eight, but no human being can tame the tongue. So no human being can tame the tongue. It is impossible for you and I to tame the tongue. No human can do that. You know, that's Encouraging. Because that tells me that if I came to tame the tongue, God can because he's not human. Because that's the moment when we allow Holy Spirit in us to do what Holy Spirit does. Self-control. See, I made a decision in that circumstance. I will honor God with my words. Because what was more important? For me to show how displeased I was, the disgust that I felt about the officiating, or for me to represent Christ as he's worthy of being represented by me. What's more important, church? Represent him. Our words are important and they're not cheap. He taught, he uses another metaphor and this is one that is so, uh, paints such a great picture. He says that the tongue is a restless evil, full of de- uh, deadly poison, full of deadly poison. How many of y- you guys have heard this phrase stick and stones can break my bones, but what that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because, see, a bone, you can mend, right? A bone, you can make it right. See, but worse, sometimes they penetrate. And they set you on fire. And it costs so much damage. And this is what poison does. Sometimes you don't even know that you've been poisoned. You have no idea until it's way too late. My prayer for us. For this family. And for the church. The capital C church. Is that our words become an antidote. To the poison that the world is spewing. That our words become an antidote. Then James moves on to. Verses 9 and 10. He says that with it. We bless our Lord and father. And with it. We curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. Wow. Remember, I I told you, I reminded us of last week's message that Pastor Jason shared. To actually be about what we say we believe. Do the things that we say we believe. This is another be about a portion right here. So imagine this for a moment. Out of the same mouth that comes here on Sunday morning and is praising God, honoring Him, and blessing the name of the Lord and worshiping Him. Out of that same mouth, then, we criticize, gossip, and judge those who have been created in the image of God. James says. This are not to be so, brothers and sisters. When he talks about blessing God. Blessing God. The theologians have a very specific way to unpack that. Because for the Jewish people, for the Jews, for in Judaism, blessing was attributed to God. So this is what they say. They said that talking about blessing is very significant because it refers and calls to mind God himself as well as the relationship between humans and God. So when he's saying blessing God, it's so much more than just praising him. It is actually coming, calling to to relationship. It's calling to God himself, to the relationship that we have with God. And cursing here has nothing to do, well, it has something to do, but it's not only relegated to profanity. It is when by my anger, and I want to make my point across, and then I dishonor somebody, and disrespect somebody with my words. And listen, when James talks about the that we curse those who have been made in the image of God. Think about this for a moment. Some of the most atrocious things that have happened in humanity have happened because we actually remove the image of God from certain people. Think about it. So when we remove the image of God from certain people, then we get to treat them as less than. If we remove the image of God from people, then we could say this race is above this other race. If we remove the image of God from people, then we could get to we get to dictate if their sin or their lifestyle disqualifies them from receiving forgiveness, grace, and mercy from the living God. This is so important. Because when we look at another individuals, I don't care if they're saved or not. I don't care if they have bowed their knee to Jesus. God made them in his image. And before and since I know that God made them in his image, I do not get to dictate if they are worthy of God's forgiveness. Because Jesus is the one that said he or she is worthy of my forgiveness because I'm the one that paid the price. And if if this is cutting you deeply, I want you to know that it has cut me deeply first. There are two of the gifts of the spirit that I value the most and those are patience and self-control. Because in my life, I have lacked both. And one leads to the other. So I pray that God will help us tame our tongue. We've been talking a lot about what comes out of our mouth. And that's important because Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, that it's not what goes into the man that defiles the man it's what comes out that defiles. But I want us to, I want us to shift focus just for a moment. And with this scripture, we're going to begin to close. I want us to focus our change. Our perspective and focus on the hearer, the person that's hearing what we say or reading what we typed. Listen to what the word of God says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed from the day of redemption. I love how the NLT reads that verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. What are your words causing other people to feel? What are your words causing other people to think? See, words evoke emotions. And words hurt. But also they heal. Words can, words can tear, tear somebody down. But words can also build somebody up. Words can dishonor or encourage. So I have this question for us. Good news family. How are our words making people feel? So I was, uh, heard this quote. I'm going to close with this quote. Actually, I read it, uh, My son, Eli, we were at this uh, guidance counselor at the school, the high school, and she had this, this frame. I thought it was so cool. It said, they will forget what you said, but they will never forget how you make them feel. They will forget what you said, but they will not forget how you make them feel. How many of you have ever been in an argument? with somebody and that argument has fractured their relationship and then months later or perhaps years later you do not remember the argument you do not remember the words but you do remember how it made you feel how you still feel inside so we have to pay attention to the hearer how are they receiving what we're saying are we talking to them are writing about them in the way that shows that they are made in the image of almighty God, creator of heaven and earth and everything in it. Can you stand? How many of you got your soap on the way in? Good, good, good. Want to make sure everybody has a, a little bar of soap. This is not to wash your hands or your face. Hmm. Well, I didn't do this in the other service, but this one says cleansing and rejuvenating. It's just so fitting. This is what we're going to do with these little bars of soap. You can actually take a marker and write a person's name on this. You can actually write boss, children, spouse, a co-worker, a group of people to remind you every time you see it. Put it in a place where you can see it regularly to remind you to say, God, help me to tame my tongue with this individual or with this group of people. Some of you may need to put it on your computer or by your phone when you get on social media. Why are we doing that? As a reminder that we need to see people as image bearers of Almighty God. Now, I'm going to pray for us, but I, I want to I want us to have an opportunity to come to the front here. Two reasons. Number one, if you're like me and you know that you have used abusive language or dishonor somebody, because sometimes it's not what you say, but how you say it. So I could have gone to that ref, right, uh, in between or something and said, hey, man, I feel like, I get, you know, I respect you because you're, you're the official here, but, man, I feel like it's not cold even. You know, and he could have with me. I said, okay. That's fine. But in the way that I did, it was disrespectful. So if you feel like, man, I I need God to tame my tongue. You could come to the altar. You could come to the front. Also, these open these, these altars are open because some of you have been hurt deeply by words. Some of you have been hurt deeply by what others have said about you and of you. And perhaps what they have written on social media about you. So these altars are open and I'm going to ask our team to come forward and help pray for people for only for those that need it. So if our if our altar workers, our prayer team can come up right now, you guys can get on the sides right here. And if you want just a little bit of personal time with the Lord right here in the middle, so that way nobody will bother you. You come to the middle and you it's just you and Jesus. we pray and you, can, you guys can come forward at any point. Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for your words. I thank you, God, for the richness of the revelation of Jesus. I thank you, God, for what you're saying to us as a body, as a family. I thank you, God, that it's your spirit that convicts us, God, and it is your spirit that helps us, Lord, to to walk in righteousness. Father, help us to tame our tongue. God, I pray that we would think of others as image bearers. God, I pray right now for those that have been hurt so deeply by the words of other people. God, I pray that you will cleanse them. I pray, God, that you will restore their soul in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that they will know that those words don't define them. I pray, God, that I pray your word over them. They are righteous. They have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, they're victorious. They're loved. God, I thank you so much for this body. I pray blessing upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Be good news, church. Take a moment to pray and God bless you.